0: Good morning, everybody, uh, and Merry Christmas, and welcome to the Rangers Review Morning Briefing for Tuesday, the 27th of December. It is good to be back. Phil feel I've been away for absolutely ages, uh, and I'm joined by a full squad this morning. Firstly, Joshua Barry, up in... Where are you, Joshua? Get, let, let the viewers know where you um, are.
1: In Pilocra, Derek, so I was wow. up in Dingwall uh, on the 23rd, back down here for Christmas. It's been nice. Snowed yesterday. Um, so it almost got a white Christmas, but uh, yeah, all, all good. Um, what was it like down in Warrington? Any snow? Uh, no snow, actually
0: very mild, um, mm. which was, uh, I don't think, I can't remember the last time I had a white Christmas, to be honest. What about you, Johnny? What's it, what's it like where you are?
2: Yeah, it's been fine. We got a bit of snow yesterday. Um, oh. A sort of storm coincided with my decision to take the family out for a Boxing Day walk to clear the... The cobwebs away and uh, yeah, we ended up walking into the eye of the storm here uh, in Burnside in Glasgow and uh, yeah, it wasn't too popular with the families, it started bucketing rain and the wind and the hail and sleet and, and, and everything like that, but that was literally the only time in the whole day that it seemed to get really bad, that that 15 minutes that we wandered out, so yeah. just so a lot I suppose.
0: Yeah, Ed Bruce gets in touch He says, uh, Merry Christmas all from... Uh, uh, Queensland, Australia, thirty-three today. Ah! And sunny. What the oh. hell is that all about, Ed? Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then Lisa Halliday also rubs it in. She says, uh, "Merry Christmas from Tenerife." Uh, we're not mm-hmm. having that. That's a, that's a yellow card, right? Uh, let's 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 move on to talk all things Rangers, <clears throat> um, because of course it may be the holiday season, uh, but Rangers are in action tomorrow. Three wins from three for Michael Beale as Rangers manager after a. a you've got to see a uh, hard-fought 1-0 victory up at Dingwall on Friday night. Uh, Joshua, you were there for us. We haven't really spoken about it um, since because we've been off, of course. Um, It was one of those, I think, generally considered three points and down the road. Not much else to discuss, really, with regards to it. Um, Rangers uh, winning by the solitary goal. Uh, John Lundstrom with a great strike. From the edge of the area, Robbie Matondo, Mister Sitter. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll discuss him shortly, but uh, yeah, it just keeps that that winning momentum going, even though the the performance wasn't entirely great.
1: Yeah, and you say three points and down the road, Derek, and they're they're obviously very important. And Rangers haven't been very good at um, getting them in the last year. I think of the 12 games in which Giovanni Van Bronckhorst dropped points domestically in the league, nine were away from home. Um, if you think back to Rangers' last trips to just Aberdeen and, and Ross County, they were in winning positions. And, and both of those games at the start of the year, and Aberdeen came back to draw 1-1, and Ross County came back to get a late equaliser and draw 3-3. So it wasn't that exciting a game, I think, from a, from a neutral point of view. Um, but Rangers also conceded, I think, 0.36 XG. They only conceded three shots after they'd gone ahead. Um, so my kind of takeaway from the game, apart from the Matondo angle, was that... They are starting to look a little bit more like a Michael Beal team because the notable thing for me is when they were defending that lead, they didn't fall back and defend the box. They didn't look open, as they may well have done under Van Braun. Of course. They were high, they were aggressive, uh, they were quite compact. And they should have went and added a second. You know, you see Morelos, uh, the shot kind of bounces off his knee over the bar. Matondo should do much better for that. There was a couple of other breakaway opportunities. When you consider the injuries, you consider the fact that Rangers had went to Aberdeen on the... Yeah, earlier in the week and then travel back up the A9, <clears throat> three points is the most important thing. And they'll need to grind out games like that. I think Michael Beal will have quite enjoyed that after the drama of the, the two games before that.
0: Yeah, definitely, Johnny. What, what did you make of that that, that game on, on Friday night? I think uh, Rangers looked to me a bit a, a bit leggy. I, I think if, if you watched it back, uh, they were relatively comfortable. Ross County never really offered much. They had one chance that John McLaughlin did well to save. Um, but that aside, it was a, a pretty routine performance. Rangers really should have made it more uh, handsome, the scoreline, than what they did do.
2: Yeah, Rangers were the better side, but it wasn't anywhere near comfortable, I, I didn't think. I thought there was a lot of midfield battle going on. There wasn't uh, too many great opportunities for Rangers. Obviously, they put the great one at the end with Robbie Matondo put through. Definitely got to score there. Or, or, or really should score there. Yeah. Um, other than that, I, I I couldn't really see what Michael Beale's been doing much on the training field, bar the, the kind of off the ball stuff, which is is undoubtedly a lot better, Derek. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the tacking, side, that his game that he wants to put in place hasn't really clicked into gear yet. I think he said himself that. And there's also the the fact that this time of year is very, very difficult to play flowing, attractive football. It's cold, the the pitches aren't great often. It's uh, game after game after game. So all these factors put to one side, I I think you can be really, really satisfied with three points uh, and another three points on top of the six that have already been pulled together. And, and a good start to the Michael Beal era, but I would have liked to have seen a bit more on the identity front personally than than we've seen so far. Um, I know that that Josh feels that there is um, there is quite a bit coming through, but uh, for the rest of us, I would like to see a bit more special in attacking positions. Now, I know that will come the more he has uh, players back from injury, and that's a huge element of this in terms of the strength of the overall squad. And once that competition kicks in, I think you'll start to see a much stronger Rangers of that. There's no doubt. But I would have thought that under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, to be yeah. honest. The injury situation was impossible for almost any manager to deal with. And um, ultimately, once uh, more of those players come back, especially in defensive positions, I think you'll see a much stronger team. And Ben Davies and Conor Golson come back and immediately you have a, a clean sheet now I admit that part of that is down to John McLaughlin's excellent save um, from the header early doors, um, but still, I think overall defensively, Rangers were, were were pretty good. I'm talking middle to front, and when I'm looking at that game
1: against Ross uh, yeah. Can I just on the see, see on that point? I think you, you saw um, just how much Michael Beale needs a striker who can take the ball into defeat. Because for me, where the ball broke down time after time was Bashan Sakala who. Sets up the goal. Has scored two goals in the previous two games. Everyone knows his value. A lot of the focus is sometimes on what he can't do rather than what he can do. But he's not a back-to-goal striker in the same way that Morelos is. Um, I thought Morelos did okay when he came on. It was a bit of a strange game. It was quite low tempo, um there was a real feel from from everyone, I think, of just from a Rangers' side to just get it done and, and get down the road. But a lot of the time I thought the ball broke down there. But Rangers got Adam Devine in behind so many times. I think if that's now don't get me wrong, I thought he did brilliantly, but if it's a left footer in those situations, and Michael Beale himself said that Divine probably jumps up 25%. So you've got to consider that. You've got that moment in the first half with uh, where Sakala kind of has a shooting opportunity. Then there's another divine cutback where he almost has too many options. You have the one across the face of goal. I, I, I agree, it wasn't, there wasn't hundreds of chances. It wasn't a performance that stood out for attacking fluidity. But part of Beale's mantra, I'm sure, will be just being able to grind out these 1-0 wins. He spoke about that actually in the press conference, I think at the start of the week. Um, but yeah, the, the important thing was for him, six points from six. He's got that, set him up for the game against Motherwell tomorrow, and, and he'll hope that that will take him in nicely to the old firm.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Um, Rabbi Matondo, Johnny, uh, that was a, a golden opportunity for him on, on Friday, coming on as a sub to uh, uh, really uh, try and win back some of the doubters. Um, however, he's uh, probably increased uh, the, the number and the support that, that have sort of written them off. Um, have you written them off now? Do you think after after that? I know Michael Beale said he's. Suffered a crisis of confidence, um, but that on Friday night it was it was hard to watch when he was through on goal. Easy to slip in Kent, of course. I don't know if he's caught in two minds. He's got he's got so much time to to, to think about it. In the end, it was a. a almost an easy uh, save for the goalkeeper to make. He doesn't really do anything, tries to round him and, and, and it's really easy uh, for the keeper to, to stop him in his path. He's not really got going. I was really excited. I've got to hold my hands up and say his pre-season, he looked uh, frightening for, and I was really excited about seeing him. However, I watched him in Belgium against uh, Union uh, and he looked like a fish out of water and, and it's looked like that ever since. Um, Can he, can he rectify uh, what, what, what he's doing at the moment?
2: Well, it's very, very early days in late December to be judging a player who signed over a long-term contract, especially a younger player. But there's no doubting that Robbie Matondo has not had a good start to, to life at Rangers. He doesn't look like a natural fit. I wish the club would stop signing these rapid wingers because... I just don't think it's what Rangers really need. That pacing behind when in so many of the games there isn't the space there, Mm. isn't the weapon it is for other clubs. You know, we've seen Brandon Barker, we've seen Jordan Jones, Ravi Matondo now. Um, There's been others who are super quick. And I get... certain teams that's a massive boon it's it's, it's one of the most important things you look for and it's useful for Rangers in certain games you know uh big away games going to face Celtic obviously the European games but ultimately what you're looking for is you're looking for creative quality and I'm not seeing an awful lot of that from Robbie Matondo at the moment
0: yeah um, Josh, where do you stand? I used to saw him at uh, close hand at, at Dingwall on Friday. Um, I, I, I actually put him in my predicted lineups. I thought he'd be one of the five changes that, that Michael Beale said at, at the press conference uh, prior to the game. and They ended up being four, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he did come on. Uh, he was afforded an opportunity and he had a, a golden chance to uh, really make the scoreline uh, more handsome than, than what it was. Um, Do we need to give this lad a bit more time? We need to remember he is a young player. However, um, after speaking, I've mentioned the Union game. I spoke to the coach and one of their players in Belgium. They said he was the best player in Belgium for the second half of of last season. Um, But he's just not shown that at Ibrox, has he?
1: Yeah, he's not, Derek. To me, someone said to me after the game, it was a bit like when Ahmad Diallo, hit the, I think he hit the post instead of squaring it to Sakala at Tanadice. I um, can't quite remember. Um, obviously, he's now down, absolutely ripping it up at Sunderland. Yes, yeah, so as um,
0: Stephen Gillespie says, I uh, actually yeah. watched him yesterday against it, playing uh, Blackburn, and he and looked decent. <laughs> but yeah, carry yeah, on.
1: Man. Good player, good player. Um, I think Matondo's a different style of player, but similarly, it, it felt like a moment where he really needed that. And Michael Beale said as much after. He said it would have been really nice if he... He got the goal, but Beal said all the right things. He said he's our player, he's here for a reason. Um, Matondo, is I think he's just turned 22 now. You're right, Derek, he had what was a really good loan uh, spell in Belgium last year after a couple of years more in the wilderness. He was at Stoke before that. He went for a big money move um, when he was younger and he wants to not get trapped, I guess, in being defined by that big money move when he was younger. Um, but to do that, he needs to to show a bit more I wrote about um, maybe a, a week ago, it's on my uh, Twitter page quite recently, um, kind of hypothesising how it could work under Beeler or asking the question, could it? Um, you know, When Ross Wilson spoke about <clears throat> players who need to give a better return on the money that was paid for them in the summer, I think Matondo definitely falls into that bracket. We know he's going to play a different role to what he played under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. I think confidence comes into it a lot and I think you could see when he was playing on that right touchline in a team that's not functioning well, he didn't look confident. And, he, you know, he was brought off against Hearts and, and Van Bronckhorst went out of his way to almost criticise him in the press conference after when he wasn't asked about him, which is not something that he did all that regularly. He was asked about Scott Wright and he went back to talk about uh, Matondo. He's going to play in more central positions under uh, Beal. But I think regardless of the position he's playing and the system he's playing in, it is about confidence. Because you can see um, when a player comes onto a pitch sometimes that they are in confidence. I thought when he switched the ball out of play to Kent, you could see it. I thought when he was bearing down on goal, he didn't have much confidence in him. So obviously there is qualities there that Rangers can can harness. On the, the topic of pace, I agree with that to an extent, but I think Matondo's um, strength is also pace over short distances. It's not always running in pint. And if Rangers are able to utilise that, then that's, that still can be effective. Um, but I agree, he's not really shown anything. Equally, he's not really had a consistent run of games. Um, someone uh, I've seen on Twitter said if anyone can get a young player like that firing, it's Michael Beale. If you cash your mind back to what he said about Alex Lowry in the press conference last week, is one area that he has a lot of expertise in. Um, it's the area where his skill uh, set uh, sorry, is probably the strongest in developing young players. Um, getting them into positions that work for them and building up their confidence, and we've we have seen this movie before with with players at Rangers. But to your question, Derek, he looked void of confidence, and yeah, um, yeah I think it takes a while for a player to come back and, and really make an impact after they've had such a
2: difficult start to life at a club. Yeah. The thing is, Derek, he looked quite bright when he first came on. Um, you know, he yeah. had a he had a a nice shot. Um, just looked like he wanted the ball, and if that if that Shot has gone in the one that's saved when he's through one on one. We're saying, Oh, Ravin Matondo looked bright, it was a good cameo. Yeah, the fact that he's missed such a difficult, uh, such a straightforward chance, sorry, is what's driving the narrative around that performance. But he should have scored, so that's what's going to happen. But yeah, when you're a Rangers player, you need to take these moments, and that was a moment for him to start rewriting his own narrative.
0: Yeah,
2: um. Time will tell. Listen, there's something there. There's no doubt about it. There's there's a combination of skills that if they can be put back together in in the right order, there's a player. Uh, It's whether or not Michael Beale has the time and patience to do that and whether or not the Rangers fan base has the time and patience to kind of stick with a young player who's misfiring because fundamentally, this is a club that needs to win week in, week out. So can't have a player out there that's missing chances like that consistently uh, trying to get their game back into some kind of rhythm. It's going to need somebody to sort of step up to the plate and and, and bring some grit, determination to it. That's just the way it is, unfortunately. It's not a club where you can get away with kind of stutter-step performances.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's it's, it's a tough place to play, I think. Recent interviews I've done with with Natural Nova, even Harry Forrester, that was over the the last couple of days, said that there were some players that uh, just. The mentality, you need to have that the right mentality to play for Rangers, and certainly the jury is out on on Rabi Matondo at the moment. You mentioned Alex Lowry there, Josh. I wanted to touch on a couple of comments that have popped in here. First from uh, a good friend, uh, Denzel, who says, why are we bring on Scott right when more creativity is needed, I think, touching on the match against Aberdeen. with Alex Lowry on the bench, uh, and Alan says, uh, were you surprised when Matondo came on instead of Lowry? Now, Michael Beal was quizzed on this prior to the game, and I thought his a- answer was very interesting. He said uh, when he bangs on his door, asking why he's not playing, he says to him, would your teammates pick you? And I thought that was very telling. Um, uh, what do you make of that, Joshua? Does that seems to me as if um, it's possibly a, an attitude thing, perhaps, or he just <clears throat> apply himself more in training to earn that chance in the first team.
1: Yeah, well, I think there's probably two sides of it. Um, one of which is that Scott Wright and Matond are both more likely to, to run in behind. I think against Aberdeen, um, he wanted a, maybe a player who could kind of hold the width at points and we've seen that with Kent who was, who was wide for kind of 15 minutes and against um, Ross County Matondo you see him running behind on two occasions he doesn't capitalise on it but I think that was the idea with the game uh, being squeezed up a little bit but you're right that that's where Beal talks about that. that's where his experience is and working with young players developing young players and, and he effectively said when he's in the team he's not going to drop out of the team but he said would your teammates pick you and that's a big thing for, for young players now You've got to imagine that Beal's being very deliberate about Lowry, about when he puts him in. Because there's so much expectation on him, so much pressure, I do find it interesting that he's not um, come on in either of those games um, away from home. I'd be surprised if he doesn't play any uh, part tomorrow um, against Motherwell. But it's inevitable that when a club have a young player who's really exciting and supporters want to see him, and there's players who play ahead of him that they deem not as good, there is going to be this kind of attention a given towards it. So who knows? Maybe Bill wants Lowry to uh, improve more off the ball. Maybe there's, of course, there's things that we don't see behind the scenes. But again, this is the area that Bill reaffirms. He has lots of experience in developing young players. It seems like a very deliberate answer he gave, though, Derek, kind of in keeping with all of his uh, press conferences so far.
0: Seems very, It was very interesting, I thought, Julian, because uh, prior to his first match, he said that Alex w- was very close to starting the game. Hmm. And have not yeah. seen him yet. And then his answer uh, prior to the Ross County game, that sort of told me that he's maybe not doing enough in training to warrant uh, time on the pitch.
2: Yeah, I've talked about this before, Derek. When you're a young player at Rangers, you need to take it. No one yeah. will give it to you. And this is the demands of the club. It's the demands of the players that are already there. And it's the demands of the fan base. And fundamentally, Alex Lowry hasn't fully convinced three managers now. Because you know he was able to get in, I would imagine uh, under Gerard, he was a young young kid then. To be fair, but yeah. you've then got Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, and you've now got Michael Beale. He's got to convince these guys. He's got to convince them on the training fields, and he's got to convince them that they can that he can be trusted. And, and and I think that's a good point that Beale made about convincing his teammates. It's all very well having a little flash that they get stuck up on Twitter, they get ten thousand likes because yeah. you've stuck the ball over the head of the captain. But can you do it throughout an entire session over the course of many weeks, showing that your quality is not just a flash in the pan, that it is consistent, that it is um, able to be replicated in a game? And that's what Alex Lowry has to do, it's as simple as that. It sounds harsh, but we all know that, that this harsh thing is, 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 is fundamentally true. No one will take Alex Lowry and say, there you are, pal, there's your Rangers career for you. You know, he's got to take it. And part of that is budging these guys out of the way. You're talking about Arfield and Matondo, Josh, uh, running in behind. And like and, and that's up to Lowry to not necessarily change his game, but adapt to whatever the manager wants from him and deliver. And if he can't do that, then Alex Lowry will end up on loan somewhere. It's so as simple as yeah. that.
0: It's a very congested position as well that he did touch on. The Rangers do have plenty of options in that position, but it's down to Alex to obviously convince uh, the managers that he's deserving of some game time. Um, He's a huge talent. What's
2: that? He's a huge huge talent. Oh, there's no question. You've seen flashes of that. There's no question about his talent. But talent is always beaten by hard work when talent doesn't work hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, let's get to one or two more comments. I wanted to touch on um, well the Stephen Davis news first of all. Uh, it never rains, but it pours—an absolute bombshell uh, over uh, the last few days, where um, of course Stephen Davis uh, was out to get a scan uh, after falling awkwardly in training. And now it turns out it's a serious knee knock and he won't feature for the remainder of the season. Rangers released a statement um, saying that he suffered an injury to his knee and will miss the remainder of the season. As always, Stephen has the best wishes of everyone at Ibrox as he embarks upon his recovery. Uh, Horrendous news, this Joshua, he turns 38 on the 1st of January. Uh, His contract runs out in the summer. Could this be a a sorry end uh, to what has been a, a... a fantastic uh, couple of spells uh, at Ibrooks.
1: Yeah, you, you hope not. Because to my memory, I can't remember, certainly, Stephen Davis having too many injury problems throughout his career. <clears throat> um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I no. don't know if he's had one as serious as this. Uh, so to have it at this age... Um, and you're right, Derek, you always want players who have had a career like Stephen Davis has had to go out um, in a better way than than having an injury injury. Um, uh, as you say, it wasn't even a, a you know a big tackle in a game. And, and I, I thought against Tibbs when he came on, it showed that he still had a role under Michael Beale because he came on for 25 minutes, kept the ball, uh, kept Rangers ticking over, but just added an extra body in the middle. Um, he was signed on at the end of last season because despite his age, he still had a role to play. And that was, again, that was a narrative before the the 2021 uh, title win, when he was obviously, I think he, he won a couple of Player of the Year awards that season because he, he was so good. So, Hopefully, it's not the last team time you see him in the Rangers shirt, but I think logic tells you it, it may well be. Um, and it only exacerbates the, the need for a player signed in that position, someone who can come in and start every week at the base of midfield, which I think has to be the... I think it would have been the priority for Rangers whether this injury has happened or not. Um, but, of course, hugely un, unfortunate. And you you, know, you hate to see someone like Steven Davis have that serious injury at this stage of his career.
0: It's another, it's another horrendous blow, isn't it, Johnny? I'd, I've never known a season like this where there's been so many, not just niggles, but long-term injuries uh, that, that players have suffered. And Stephen Davis, uh, I know Barry Ferguson has come out and said he, sh- he should be given a new contract. I'm not entirely sure, to be honest, but it is a sad way to go if this is the end.
2: That's a really, really difficult one. Michael all yeah. have to assess that. He knows what Stephen Davis can bring to the dressing room yeah, bring to the the Rangers team. Listen, it's a very hard sell to say let's give another round of contracts out to these old war horses in the midfield yeah. areas. It really is for fans who I think are are just desperate to see some some young blood coming in and an, eject, an injection of physicality and energy, um, and a change of the menu in in, in that area yeah. fundamentally. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't like to see a legend like Stephen Davis checking out of the football club with such a serious injury and perhaps checking out of his career with with such a serious injury. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if Stephen Davis comes back. I think when he's played this season, he hasn't really looked to me like a player who's vastly diminished. I thought he should have been the first name in the team sheet in domestic games. And I still stand by that. You know, the guy can move the ball as well as he ever did. He's more of a controller of a game now than he's ever been. And he just didn't really fit the the Van Bronckhorst mould. And then, of course, he's not really had a chance to fit uh, the Beal mould because, you know, it's only been two games and he's out or three games and he's out. Yeah. I think two games, obviously, and he's out. Yeah. Um, It's incredibly sad because this is a genuine Rangers legend we're talking about here. He was superb in his first spell, led Rangers to to glory and several trophies and was a key part of that in that engine room under Walter Smith. He comes back. It looks like it's going to be a short period. I remember being on a podcast at the time. He signed in what December, January. um, And he didn't play for the first two, three months. And I remember talking about it saying, yeah, he's not going to get a new contract. Yeah. It doesn't look like he's going to stay around because it's just not its not working. And then right towards the end, he got up to speed, I think, in the last few games of the season. Rangers went on a six or seven game unbeaten run, including beating Celtic. And Stephen Davis was peerless over that period once he got himself into the team. And all of a sudden you're saying, right, OK, that's the real guy. That's the guy that, that they signed. And since then, you know, you can't argue with what he's achieved and how he's performed. It's been another excellent spell for him. And, and yeah. they say never go back, but Stephen Davis is going to uh, stand as a lasting testament to why that cliche is is wrong. Yeah. Uh, it depends on the circumstance, and, and the circumstances on this one were perfect. And he has really, really helped drag this club up by their bootstraps and taking them back to where they need to be, winning championships, winning Scottish Cups, getting to a European final. So he'll always go down, I think, as one of the great players of the club. In twenty five years' time, you know, he'll be a, a, a he'll be absolutely considered one of the great Rangers and and, and yeah. absolutely rightly so for me.
0: Yeah, and just John Dooley says uh, Stephen Davis is one of very few players to play in two European finals uh, for the club. Uh, It shows you the calibre of player that he is and the longevity as well. He has been a a breath of fresh air for Rangers, a real, uh, true custodian of the club, and uh, yeah, the uh, heartbreaking news to hear that in the last uh, few days that he's uh, uh, out for the season. We wish him uh, the very best in his recovery. Stephen Gillespie makes an interesting point straight to the B team coaching. Imagine what he could teach these young lads. I would like to see him involved. And in, 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 I'm not sure in, that's
2: that's a, a thing that happens anymore at Rangers. Yeah, but you as, as, a, coach, as a coach, as a coach, Johnny, I think, I think.
0: I could see him as, as a coach. Can you not see him as a Rangers coach in the future?
2: Well, you could see him as a Rangers coach in the future, but I think the days of the B team taking on players who want to um, become coaches and managers in their own right is gone. Yeah, yeah. That, that I think that's old school thinking that, and I don't think that's the way a modern forward-thinking academy thinks anymore. I think in the academy, what they want is people who are absolutely focused on youth development and they want to be youth development coaches, they're not they're not targeting necessarily becoming first team coaches. Yeah. You know, that's that the youth coaching is their niche and that's what they want to do. And I think this idea of taking a first team player and just saying, right, he's a good guy, he's a good guy around to have around the place. Let's just dump him into the, the academy. I don't think that's a very good strategic approach. And I don't see that as being something they'll they'll do long term. What they're looking for in the academy is people who are essentially coaches and teachers, people with an academic background almost in in or, or understanding of how best to transmit information to young people. Um so taking a player and just and just chucking them in there, it's a bit like just dropping a grenade in. And I, and I don't see that happening. Um so that's, that's that's I like... think we can get I think we can get rid of this trope of oh you'd be great in the academy. It just won't happen, I don't think
0: yeah uh I, I, I do like the idea of uh, if i was a young kid low coming up and and, and learning off of these guys that have done it i've played in two european finals played at the highest level but yeah listen it's, it's an interesting debate um as craig hamilton says as well great players don't necessarily make great coaches i think i think with davis i think if it even if it isn't at rangers i think uh, i think that is an avenue it, it will go down um wherever it may be and i think it will be a a good coach as well. He's someone that that you certainly listen to when he talks football. Um, Just wanted to touch on this. On the back of that, Joshua, uh, Craig Mackay says, I consider he's not spent any money on a centre midfielder in quite some time. Why isn't McCann getting a look in, given the injury to Stephen Davis? Do you think we'll see a bit more of Charlie McCann now? Does that sort of clear
1: his avenue to the first team? I think Charlie McCann might be the most expensive midfielder at Rangers because obviously Kamara, 50 grand, (laughs) Lundstrom, technically free, Jack free, Davis free. We missed anyone? De- Central midfielder. Once from. <laughs> was fifty yeah. k. Yeah. So, it's just an interesting side note, but um, yeah. you'd imagine you if any time you're gonna if, if there is any time you will see more of them, it would uh, be around about now. But I think regardless, Rangers needed to go and get a deep lying midfielder, and they hopefully will do in the January window. Um, for me, it's the one area of the pitch that I think in other areas you could kind of survive throughout the season. Obviously, centre-back, now you'd hope that Golden and Davies will be able to play together. You've got King there as backup, and then if Sutur or, uh, or Holando can come back, that's a bonus, but you don't need to rely on them, and you kind of work that out in the summer. Um, full-back, you've seen with Divine that he can cover. You've got Ridvan coming back. You've got Barazic coming back. You've got depth up front um, with, with Cholak. He's missed the last two games, but that's quite a or last three games, but that's quite rare in the context of the season. Um and in behind the striker when Lawrence and Hadger back alongside Lowry, Kent, and Tillman. You've got so many options there. For me, what what you, you definitely need is someone with an engine just in front of that can sit in front of the defense that can play a number of different roles, whether it is going box to box at points, taking the ball off the centre backs. Um I I think that's what, what Rangers need. And I'd be really surprised when Beale speaks about a couple of areas that I think they were going to refresh regardless um, when he's been speaking about the transfer window. I'd be surprised if it's not in that position, Derek.
0: Yeah, uh, listen, Joy, before we, we wrap up, it's an area I think we've spoke about at length. They need central midfielders, don't they? But January is such a difficult time, difficult window to bring in players. To strengthen the side, uh, usually you, uh, it's players that um, are not playing at the moment, uh, or you need to pay a premium because the, the, you're midway through the season. So it's not as easy uh, as it sounds just to just to add quality in the midfield department.
2: No, it's a very very difficult time of year to actually go yeah. out and get high quality guys who are going to improve the team. We've seen that. We thought that in the last uh, January window that the team had done a good job. We were all sitting here pretty happy with the work that had been done, getting in Diallo, getting in Aaron Ramsey, and it didn't work out. It was a gamble. We, we said that at the time uh, in terms of Ramsey, but I think uh, the, the club will have to be very, very, very careful um, not to have another bad window. Ross Wilson is already under a bit of pressure over transfer dealings. I think, and I've said before, I know it's not popular. Sometimes it's a little bit unfair, some of the criticism, because I don't think his role is... About recruitment, that's part of his role. But there's there's many many other facets that make up his day, and there's a brand new recruitment team in, and that's the other thing that's going to be interesting about it, Derek. This is the first time you've seen John Park in action. Yeah, um, because he got his feet in the door in the summer with a, a whole host of other new uh, new scouts, and it'll be uh, this is the first time we're kind of seeing those kind of players that he'll be recommending coming through. I mean, we know that he's got a very, very good track record in terms of identifying unheralded European talent. So there could be a few names there that that, that we're we're, we're just not expecting that just come out of the blue. I'm fully expecting that. But I think it's so, so important that Rangers can go and get a couple of players in this January window that really look like they mean business. That'll that'll help change the narrative that surrounds this club. Yep. It'll help change the negativity because if you go out and do that, then all of a sudden I think Ross Wilson's record looks looks a fair bit better. And, and I think Rangers could do without that sort of kind of underlying noise that surrounds his position. Um from fans who are justifiably looking at his record and saying we need more bang for our buck when it comes to going out and signing players. I happen to think that the summer business was actually pretty good. You know, I think Cholak, Tillman, don't think there's too many people are going to be arguing about their quality. I've seen enough of Ridvan to say I feel that he'll be a very, very good signing. Yeah. Michael Beale's good. already alluded to the fact that he was aware of him and he thinks he's going to be a talent that, he, that he's looking forward to working with. Don't think anyone would, com- would complain about Tom Lawrence. I think we all agree that that's going to be a deal that will that, come off. John Suter will depend on whether or not he can he can stay fit. If he does, we know he's a good player. Yeah. Um and that that's that's five of the seven. You know, Matondo, we've already kind of touched on, and, and that one's gonna be a more difficult one. There's there's no doubt in my mind about that. Um, it's gonna take more time, and uh, it may be that that doesn't work out based on what I've seen so far. But players can eventually settle and, and turn it around, get confidence. Um, but overall, I don't think that that summer tranche of players that that, that many people have talked about has been actually too bad. Um, but if you can go out and get a couple right in this window, it, it will really reinvigorate the squad, especially in that central midfield position. I don't know if Josh feels maybe that um, it's two players required in that, in that area. Or, or Josh, would you rather see a right winger and a, a central midfielder? How, how would you, if you were to go and get two top-quality players, who would, what positions would they be in? Well, it looks like Beale's going
1: to play two strikers for the majority of games, um, I think, with Kenton behind. So I don't know if the, the right-wing conversation is is parked for a while. Um,
2: yeah.
1: I, I agree that you, you probably need a player of that profile in the squad who, like Kent on the left, can be a threat out on that side. Um, but I don't know if that's a priority now. I mean, it has to be... Uh, that, that position, I think we all agree on deep in midfield. But then it it depends on what happens in the outgoings because you can't sign two midfielders and play and keep Lundstrom and Kamara on the bench. Kamara is a player who we've spoken about. I think he'll I think he will improve under Beale and Maybe go in, in the summer. Yeah. Um, he's too valuable an asset to, to keep on the bench all season. Lundstrom's one of the biggest earners at the club, and again, I, I don't think you can keep him on the bench. And, and I think he he. There is obviously a lot of quality there you can harness. I just don't think his, his best football will come when he's picking the ball um, off the centre-back. So I think that's the priority position. Elsewhere, would you? I don't know, would you maybe say another centre-back if you can't depend on Suter and Hellander? You probably don't want more wages um, in that position. So maybe just another offensive option because, again, you can't depend on Roof. So Rangers are in a really... It's like quite a difficult position because Beale's saying he wants to assess the squad when it's fully fit. I think already you've seen him... Kind of coming to terms with the reality of the injury situation when he's been speaking about it, there was an update he gave. I think it was before the Ross County game where he went through the number of players that were carrying knocks and whatnot. You know, John Lundstrom took, uh, took an injection to play through the the county game and the Aberdeen game. There's a reality that all these things will be going on behind the closed doors of all medical departments in football. But um, at the moment, Rangers have had a particularly bad uh, six months that they need to put right. So you could probably make the argument that. Wherever Rangers were to sign a player, because of the injuries that have happened, it wouldn't be a bad idea because they've kind of paid the price for, um, well, I guess they, they've had enough depth, but they've just had so many injured players. And then you've also got to consider the likes of Hadji and Lawrence. When they get back, how long does it take them to get up to speed? The exact same with Hellander and Suttersy. You could probably make an argument for lots of positions. I don't think anyone would disagree that Rangers need a, a
2: midfielder, though. I think Beal's been pretty clear that he sees it as going out and getting someone that comes in the starting eleven to improve it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: It, it's not that's going to go much out much. and get a player who can play left wing, right wing, number nine, uh, number ten, if necessary, and kind of a guy that you can you can fit in to the system when you need them. Like Celtic did that with Haskovic, you know, that someone who can add to the squad. I don't think Michael Beal's looking for that. He's looking for someone who's or a couple of players who are decisive. Personally, one of those for me, if I was only given two, I'd go out and try and get a keeper. It's a very difficult time of year to get a keeper because if it's a good one, they're they're likely to be playing and it's not going to be a club, that you're not likely to get a club that are going to be that keen to lose such an important player. But I just look at at the stats around the goalkeeping situation and it's for me a big worry. I think John McLaughlin, Personally, guys, I would now put John McLaughlin back in as number one. Oh, wow. Um,
0: really? I asked, him this, I asked him this, and he said he's not strengthening the goalkeeper department in January. So, I mean, that, that's caused a bit of a bit of debate among supporters who feel listen, it's in the priority.
2: Listen, Michael Beale said he didn't really understand the debate around the goalkeeping situation. I think what he's talking about is we've got a really good young keeper in, in Robbie McCrory, um, good backup in. And John McLaughlin and Alan McGregor as an experienced player. My my problem is with that is listen, Alan McGregor, the stats, guys, and and, and no, you I don't know, know, Michael Beale might turn around and say, I don't care about the stats. I, I, I see them every day. The numbers have uh, Alan McGregor at the bottom of the league. Yeah. The, the 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 second worst goalkeeper in the league, the only keeper that's worse than Alan McGregor based on the this, 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 this Statistical analysis of it at the moment is um, Hibbs keeper, and I think he had one game where he had an absolute nightmare. someone was I was talking to someone about this the other day, and they said right at the start of the season he had a he had a complete nightmare where he, he he basically let in two ridiculous goals, which have skewed the stats. But McGregor is basically sitting at a goal saved above average score of negative four point two nine. Which means, based on the average of what a keeper should and shouldn't save around the expected goals, Al McGregor has let in four point two nine more goals more than he should have, and that's yeah, not good reading. That's that's really grim reading. Um, at the top of the league, uh, Kelly Ruse of Aberdeen has saved five point five goals more than he should have. So that's a swing between Aberdeen and Rangers just in the goalkeeping department of 10 goals. Um, Joe Hart at Celtic not having a great time, saving slightly less than he should have, 0.42, negative 0.42, but still that's um, a swing of nearly four goals between what the Rangers keeper should save and what the Celtic keeper should save. And that can be the difference between a title or not. When Alan McGregor was at his peak performance levels since his return for fifty-five, I think his goal saved above average was something like eleven for the season. Uh, Josh, you might correct me. Maybe it was. It was like high. It, uh, it was. It was maybe nine, but it was. It was. It, it was high. It was high. You know, Alan McGregor was absolutely immense that season statistically, and you could see that with your eyes, and you could see it in the numbers. And these numbers now. Are are pretty stark. Um, you know, there's there's another stat about shot stopping. Um, basically, percentage of sort of sh- of shots, and, and McGregor is again the lowest in the league for that. It's there's a there's a number of kind of concerning details if you look through the underlying data about the goalkeeping position at Rangers now. Rob McRory for me, because I don't watch him every day in training, obviously. Uh, I saw those two games against Alishkirt and Celtic, and I thought he looked excellent in those games. But he's relatively untested in terms of throwing him in as the Rangers' number one. And no one's kind of put him in that position, Gerard, Van Bronckhorst, Beal. So it's kind of hard to suggest that he should be Rangers' number one based on what we've seen, because we've not seen an awful lot. John McLaughlin, I think, is excellent with the ball at his feet and moves the ball really well and is very kind of calm, but he's not a shot stopper. That's not, I don't think, a a natural part. He's not one of those spectacular shot stoppers. Rangers have had them in goal for 35 years. You think Andy Gorham, Stefan Kloss, even Ante Nemi, who who, who didn't play very often for Rangers, when he did come in, brilliant shot stopper. Uh, You come back to Alan McGregor, it's been a an embarrassment of Richie's, the goalkeeping position, in terms of the ability to make spectacular saves. I don't think John McLaughlin really has that. So I think no matter who you put in, there's always going to be the clamour for to change it up. And I think under Beal, based on the numbers that I'm seeing, I don't think there's that much difference now between John McLaughlin and Al McGregor in terms of the shot And I still think Alan McGregor's a better shot stopper, but if you're seeing the numbers there and the, the, the goals that he's letting in. I would just put John McLaughlin in on the basis that he can build up the the play quicker and he's better with the ball at his feet. And in modern football, that's a big element of the play going forward. So, Josh, listen, you've been talking about that for quite a long time. You talked about how John McLaughlin was a key part of the build up that Van Bronckhorst was wanting to create. And I just think that that trumps probably the, the short stopping element of it. It's difficult, though.
1: Yeah, as I think we've said, um, I think everyone said for the last six months, it's probably a issue that Rangers should have sorted in the summer because it's one of last last season's problems that have been carried over. You still have that reality that it's like if if you know you have a one v one in in the 80th minute, who do you want in? And it's probably Alan McGregor. But there's also the reality in all these conversations, whether it be with McGregor, Stephen Davis, any player, that sometimes players just get to an age where they have to retire. It happens to every single person, um, you know, regardless of regardless of sentiment. Um, I, I actually think that the need for a goalkeeper under Van Bronkhorst, I think it was quite important at the start of the season. Um, I thought you would seen Rangers, who didn't look great anyway, building up under him, um, uh, regress a bit when when McGregor went back in. But McGregor, you know, played under Gerrard and Bill last time. And it's not as if he can't kick the ball or, no. Um, uh, there was an interview you did, Derek, with someone who was saying twenty years ago he was seen as actually quite a a modern keeper in the way that he was. Yeah, he was remember club, who that was with? Yeah,
0: it yeah, was yeah. yeah, he said he was he was he was magnificent with his feet uh, before yeah. that was a thing.
1: Yeah, so so he, I don't think he, uh, McGregor can kind of invite in pressure, uh, invite pressure in the same way that McLaughlin likes to, and um, that maybe has its value at points. But he can, he can play out. I, I think the difficulty is if you change your keeper. Um, and inevitably, one of them has a bad game, then the the debate just goes on and on and on. So, I agree with you; it's difficult to go and find the number one in January. But also, you can't you can't look at those numbers and say if both Rangers goalkeepers who have played in the league this season. Goal saved above averages in the negative. They've not made a positive difference over the course of the season, and that makes a big difference. And all and you know you need all your marginal gains to make big differences. So it definitely is an issue. Um, maybe there's a bit of a clean. We have to assess it from when Michael Beale comes in with a more function in defence, um, the games played, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but I agree. Up to this point, you can't argue that the um, Rangers goalkeepers just as a whole haven't made a positive impact. I think on on the goals uh, saved. Uh, sorry, the goals conceded, which it's going to hurt you over the course of the season. Just as in the last title winning season, you saw with Alan McGregor, the incredible contribution he did make, um, which, as as you say, Johnny, nine goals above average or something like that, which was an incredible, uh, incredible season.
2: Yeah. Derek, they they used to say Andy Gorham would save Rangers 10 points a season. And... There was no advanced stats around at that time you could actually measure that, but to the eye test, that felt true. Yeah. Just like when Alan McGregor was at his best June 55, you could see that. You know, yeah. you could see what he was doing. And it felt tangible. Um, the, the, the key problem for, for Rangers this season, if you look at it statistically, if you combine John McLaughlin and Alan McGregor, they have lost, maybe, I think, I, I, I don't have the exact figures for John McLaughlin in front of me, but the last time I looked at it, it was around three goals he'd, he'd cost Rangers. So if you add that to McGregor's four-point whatever, so let's say seven, seven goals conceded more than Rangers should have on the basis of the, of the keepers that they've they've had. And that suggests that Josh is right to say that it was a summer problem that should have been dealt with in the summer. Yeah. Um, and it, Because if you add those seven goals back in, then what does the Premiership table look like right now? We're only talking about it in the league. This stats bombs data just the league. So yeah. I know you have a goalkeeper that's performing flat at zero, and I think um, the the title race looks quite different.
0: Yeah. Listen, it's an interesting one. Uh, what happens, uh, Michael Biel has said he's, it's not an area of the pitch. He's looking to strengthen in January. I know a lot of supporters disagree. Um, but, yeah, let's hope that it certainly improves. I think that, that the, the uh, Davis and Golson touch wood that they stay fit um, may uh, alleviate some of those uh, uh, concerning figures. And Rangers need a stable defence. There is no question about that. See, see, yeah, see, see
2: just, just to touch on this again, Derek, sorry to just jump in, but there might be a temptation to say, well, but Ross McCrory is the answer. or Ross... Certainly not. Robbie McCrory maybe. Robbie, sorry, Rob, Robbie McCrory is the answer, and he, he's going to be the answer. But my position on it is, well, he should play now then. You know, I, I don't understand why he would be the answer in the summer, but not now. Do you know what I mean? It, it, if he becomes the Rangers' number one, I get that. It's a young player that's come through. People have faith in him he did really well when he played his two games but like this is the time to be thinking about the future because the league is essentially gone and mcgregor I, and mclaughlin aren't playing well so so why wouldn't you why i
0: don't I, I think it's easy i don't think that they'll be saying that in the dressing room if they win it if they win on new year's day the league the league is on yeah, I like agree that, with that. that, that that's if, if, they lose, if they lose in the yeah. second, I agree with you, Johnny. But at this moment in time, I think uh, it's still live. But Rangers need to win on New Year.
2: But Rangers need to win every single game.
0: Yeah, well, yeah there's no question, team. but they need to beat Celtic. Uh, every single every game. game. Yeah. Um,
2: but I, I, Even six points behind with two games, old-farm games left to play. If Rangers come back, I think it would be the greatest comeback in a league title that I that I could think of oh, this Celtic team doesn't lose games so yep. I just I, I don't know where this optimism is coming from personally I'm not trying to do it down but I just realistically and being balanced and fair I, I just
0: We'll, we'll know a lot more. If, if they win tomorrow night and they beat Celtic on the second and we'll be in a better position to judge where the season is at, I think anything yeah. less than a victory and um, it's done for me. Um, so they need to win. If they win that, then it's, 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 we're looking at it very differently. But um, listen, it's two massive games coming up for, for Rangers. Ah. That, and they need to win tomorrow night. There's no question yeah. against the mother team that are struggling. Um, they need to win.
2: Listen, if Rangers win every game from here to the end of the season, they'll win the league. But I yeah. don't, I don't see where the optimism no, I mean, no, that no. would happen it could possibly come from, based on what we've seen so far. And Michael Beale would be, um, I mean, he'd be walking on water after that. Let's be honest. Um, I, I, it's just these little, it's these little games. Um, when you're going up to um, Dingwall, for example, if you're going to St. Mirren, if you're going to St. Johnston. That Rangers have struggled with in the last 18 months. And I know they got through the game of Dingwall just there, but just generally struggled with. There was a 3 3 draw, of course, earlier in the uh, sorry, last season. And uh, St Johnson, they've already been defeated 2 1 this season at McDermott Park. These kind of games, I think, are still going to potentially trip Rangers up, given it's the same squad. Michael Beale can put two people up front and try and <clears throat> offer more creatively which he is doing, but I still think the squad needs more quality in the forward areas. Yeah, for for Rangers to be kind of genuine title contenders this season, and uh, Celtic just win every week, even if if it's one minute from time, Derek, and it's nil nil. Do you ever get excited? Do you ever go, oh, title race is potentially back on here, or do you just go, no, nah, they'll score, they're, they're, no. they'll score. I remember I used to feel that way about Walter Smith's Rangers teams Yeah. in the 90s. That's um, it, That's
0: what happened at Pataudry is it, it could be quite, quite big because that I don't think that's yeah. ever happened. Um, Well, certainly not happened. Rangers being behind and in injury time, coming back and winning the game. Wins like that... Well, that's a great point, mate. Turn things around. Um, but listen, they need to win tomorrow night. Failure to beat Motherwell in... Uh, I think we're, we're, we're steering down down the barrel, really. But um, yeah, listen, it's very interesting points made. Uh, bumper show today uh, for this uh, Christmas uh, special. We will be back again tomorrow, folks, uh, to look ahead to that Motherwell game in closer detail uh of course the press conference later this afternoon so we'll we'll get an injury update as well and find out who is available for that match um but yeah thanks to everyone for interacting with the show as ever it's greatly appreciated just a reminder we've still got a christmas offer on at the moment just a pound for two months worth of content and it's also and we've got an annual subscription on also as well 26 pounds for the entire year which i believe is what 25 percent off johnny if i'm not mistaken is that right yes Yes, indeed. Yeah, so £26. Head over to rangersreview.co.uk forward slash subscribe to take advantage of that. It really is a a wonderful offer, folks. Um, So make sure you take advantage of it before it reverts back to... Uh, the £2.99 per month offer. Uh, And if you want to subscribe as well to our YouTube channel, that's totally free Uh, and we're on uh, every uh, uh, weekday morning uh, more or less and we've got our our pre-match and and post-match videos uh, from the Rangers match as well. I urge you to do that also. Okay, we'll be back again tomorrow. Uh, Thank you to Joshua and Johnny uh, and to everyone uh, watching and listening. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Bye for now.